Dear listeners, are you tired of the endless cycle of fad diets and extreme measures? It's time to wake up to a better weight loss solution with Robody. As someone who's been through the ups and downs of weight loss, I know firsthand the challenge of trying to find what will stick. That's why if I qualified for Robody today, I'd jump at the chance for a scientifically backed program that supports long-term success. With Robody, you'll gain access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market, paired with personalized lifestyle changes. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Row to help them lose weight. Say goodbye to the roller coaster of weight loss dreams and hello to sustainable, real results with Robody. Go to row.co slash snoozecast. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash snoozecast. designed to help you fall asleep. On Snoozecast, we read excerpts from public domain works and, occasionally, original stories. Find us on snoozecast.com and follow us on social media and wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd like to thank our listeners. If you enjoy our show, please write us a review. Also, share it with a friend. This episode is brought to you by Sleeping Giants. Tonight, we'll be reading the opening to Willa Cather's 1918 novel, My Antonia. It is the final book of her Prairie Trilogy of novels, preceded by O Pioneers and The Song of the Lark. The novel tells the stories of an orphaned boy from Virginia Jim Burden, and the eldest daughter in a family of Bohemian immigrants, Antonia Shimerda, who are each brought as children to be pioneers in Nebraska towards the end of the 19th century. This novel is considered Cather's first masterpiece. Cather was praised for bringing the American West to life and making it personally interesting. Close your eyes. Relax your body into the softness of your bed. Now, take a few deep breaths. Introduction. Last summer, I happened to be crossing the plains of Iowa 
in a season of intense heat, and it was my good fortune to have for a traveling companion James Quayle Burden, Jim Burden, as we still call him in the West. He and I are old friends. We grew up together in the same Nebraska town, and we had much to say to each other. While the train flashed through never-ending miles of ripe wheat, by country towns and bright-flowered pastures and oak groves wilting in the sun, we sat in the observation car, where the woodwork was hot to the touch, and red dust lay deep over everything. The dust and heat, the burning wind. Reminded us of many things. We were talking about what it is like to spend one's childhood in little towns like these, buried in wheat and corn, under stimulating extremes of climate, burning summers when the world lies green and billowy beneath a brilliant sky. When one is fairly stifled in vegetation, in the color and smell of strong weeds and heavy harvests, blustery winters with little snow, when the whole country is stripped bare and gray as sheet iron, we agreed that no one who had not grown up in a little prairie town could know anything about it. It was a kind of Freemasonry, we said. Although Jim Burden and I both live in New York and are old friends, I do not see much of him there. He is legal counsel for one of the great Western railways, and is sometimes away from his New York office for weeks together. That is one reason why we do not often meet. Another is that I do not like his wife. When Jim was still an obscure young lawyer, struggling to make his way in New York, his career was suddenly advanced by a brilliant marriage. Genevieve Whitney was the only daughter of a distinguished man. Her marriage with young Burden. Was the subject of sharp comment at the time. It was said she had been brutally jilted by her cousin Rutland Whitney, and that she married this unknown man from the West out of bravado. She was a restless, headstrong girl, even then, who liked to astonish her friends. Later, when I knew her, she was always doing something unexpected. She gave one of her townhouses for a suffrage headquarters, produced one of her own plays at the Princess Theater, was arrested for picketing during a garment maker's strike, etc. I am never able to believe that she has much feeling for the causes to which she lends her name and her.